Well, okay, so today we're going to be doing episode 343, which is a crazy thing to think about, 343 episodes. Uh, That's like 700 hours (laughs) of Know Your Gear podcast. Uh, I just want to thank you guys uh, so much for a great 2023 and uh, uh, let you guys know a couple things that are important. As you know, this podcast is not a traditional podcast that's sponsored by companies. It is sponsored by patrons and it has been for the uh, all 343 episodes. So if you ever want to join patron and check it out, there's a new feature now you can check it out for free uh, where you can at least poke around and see what we're doing over there. Um, other than that, it's $5 a month. If you're interested, check it out. But if you don't want to become like, you know, kind of shackled to a monthly membership, um, if you go to the www.knowyourgearpodcast.com, you can buy some new merch. This is merch that my wife has been working on for the last year with this supplier. Uh, and I had me approve every single piece of uh, fabric and logo and wash test it in the washing machine. We did everything. Um, so the prices are a little bit more than they used to be, but she's really proud of this and I'm really proud of it too, including the new hats. So uh, that's your commercial. Uh, as always, I hope you enjoy this episode. The Know Your Gear podcast. Okay, so first, we have some early riser questions that came early. The first one's from Mike, who says, Phil, is there any difference in sound quality between the Spark Go and the Mini, Mini when using headphones? So interestingly enough, um, you you all, everyone watching this probably doesn't know this, but I have a Spark Mini. Um, so uh, the Spark Go, you saw I did a video when I went on my, basically my honeymoon uh, vacation uh, a few months ago, and I took I bought a Spark Go and used it for that. Then I ended up buying a Spark Mini because everybody was like, "Oh, the comment sections were very pleasant," but of course, a lot of people were like, "Man, the Spark Mini blows it away." So I bought the Spark Mini. Um, first thing I got to tell you is I don't know why. Uh, I don't know if it's the pictures or if it's because I've had a Roland Cube, if you're familiar with the Cube amplifier. I thought this thing was going to be a lot bigger. This is exactly, in fact, it's funny that it has a speaker port at the bottom. Um, in fact, if you hold it like this with this hole up front, this is the exact size of a very small tissue box. <laughs> so it's very small, uh, smaller than I thought. Um, but it's about the size of four Spark Goes. So think about that. If you put a brick, a brick of four Spark Goes vertical, that's about the same size. So a couple of things I want to tell you doing this. One, um, this is $200 currently on sale right now on the market, and the Spark Go is $99. And in my opinion, I don't know if this is double as good. It does sound bigger. It sounds fuller. Absolutely. There's more box, more speakers. Uh, Feature-wise, they're identical in every way. In fact, actually, I kind of felt like the Spark Go was a little easier to navigate, but feature-wise, almost identical in every way. Um, the the thing I will tell you, a lot of people are going to tell you that the Spark Mini sounds a lot better. It does sound better, but to me, it still falls short of sounding like a real amplifier. Um, there's a lot of videos. In fact, I'm very confused because I've spent a lot of hours with this already. Um, just today alone, I spent three hours with this thing. And there's a lot of videos where people are saying, man, it fills up the whole room. It's amazing. It is super impressive for a small, basically a tissue box size amplifier. But I find it does the same thing the Spark Go does. It farts out. It distorts. You have to constantly adjust it. You're finding that sweet spot and then you're okay. But the speakers really can't take any uh, any abuse. And especially if you're using it in battery powered mode, as soon as the batteries die a little bit, then the speakers even kind of distort a little bit more, break up. That being said, okay, those are the negatives because I want to get them out of the way. That being said, 
I really think this and the Sparko are some of the best purchases I've made this year when it comes to like just blown away. The Sparko, when you think about it, in 1990, I bought a Marshall mini plastic stack amp for $24.99 with inflation. I don't know what that is now, but $100 compared to now with all that technology is pretty impressive. And I know I haven't got to the question yet, but I'm getting there, I promise. So um, the Spark Mini, I think if you if you want something that sounds a little better than the Sparko, because that's what it is, um, you should go that route. Keep in mind, it's double though. <laughs> it's twice the price. So twice the price. Is it twice as good sounding? It's a lot better sounding. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to lie. In fact, the Sparko, I think sounds fine for, you know, a little practice amp that you're, you know, just putting next to your, on your lap or something. But when you AB them, I mean, this thing sounds a lot better. Just like if you AB this, uh, the Spark Mini to the full size Spark, this full size Spark blows this thing away too. Um, but it's very cool. And I highly recommend it. Uh, the both the mini and the spark um so to answer your question in headphone mode um i believe that the sparko mini and the full size sound identical uh with the headphones on and i'm pretty sure it's because they're using the same technology and the same stuff and just like if you line them out to an amp uh to your recording interface they sound the same so it's more of like a workflow thing uh to me the sparko is just so easy to have you know throw in the backpack and just be done but i do, i do love the spark mini it's really cool um and i was running pedals through it and seeing how it well takes pedals and both take pedals eh, okay the sparko takes pedals not that great so i wouldn't recommend running any pedals through the sparko the spark mini takes pedals okay so and then uh, everybody will have a different or maybe the same opinion on that too but those are just my opinions assessing the two instrument two things i will tell you this I really think the price at $99 for the Go and, and uh, $199 for this is pretty cool. Uh, I think when they were priced at $130, and I think this is normally $230, uh, it's good. But now you're getting into territory where you might want to be looking at other things, options too as well. But very good stuff. Super good. In fact, I might put links to Sweetwater if you guys want to check them out. Uh, Michael wants to know, do you ever use the little Black Star now that you have a Spark? I got rid of the Black Star amp. As soon as I got the Spark Go, I got rid of it. The Spark Go is not about sound you know sometimes it's like i said it's it's a function thing to me barring that some other company makes a version of the sparko and improves some of the drawbacks which is it's not the best sounding you know full sounding thing because it's so tiny barring that somebody comes up with some way to improve that that's my only the only negative of that thing is it doesn't sound amazing but it sounds good enough to practice i mean far beyond whatever thing else um so the the black star amp you gotta understand when the black star came out and i love the black star fly so you know um there wasn't anything like this this is i used to love having my korg pandora which was like a little little device and i had the recording one you could record and i had the one with the drum machine and all that stuff and it was just great to and it had headphones but you had to do headphones the spark go is on a fantastic headphone amplifier it's a fantastic uh uh interacting teaching tool working I'm, as you guys know i'm working on songs next year i plan to only play the songs that i wrote on the on the uh, demo reviews you know right so so it just you know they'll be the riffs that are mine so i don't have to worry about copyright stuff and um i've been playing them of course with the backing tracks on the spark goes and stuff and it's it's been fantastic um so no, no offense to the Black Star Fly. Like I said, it's not that that isn't quality anymore. It's a great little amplifier for what I paid $65. I don't know what they are now. They're probably 80. But a uh, uh, Spark Go. And the only thing I can tell you is if you AB the Spark Go to the Black Star Fly, I bet you you will come up with the fact the Black Star sounds a little better because it's a bigger box, you know, a little bit bigger box, and it sounds a little fuller sounding, ABing them. But... When you stack up the gazillion other features the Spark Go has, 
uh, none of that none of that matters to me. The fact that it does all those things and it's so portable, it's so such a good product. Uh, one of my favorite products of the year for sure. And like I said, the Mini, I'm really impressed with as well. The next one came from Edgar who says, hey Phil, season's greetings. Why do you think Gibson is not doing a purple Kirk Hammett Flying V and only chose to do the Epiphone version? You know, I don't I don't know, right? I mean, obviously I don't work for Gibson and uh, Epiphone, but I would give you, uh, you know, here's a, my assumption. My assumption would be that um, to you and to most people, you think of Gibson and Epiphone as one brand. Um, and although it is a, a, they are brands owned by the one company, right? It's one, you know, like Squire Fender is, is FMIC. It's one brand. But I would think of it like, and this is going to sound really strange, think of it different branches of the military. All the United States military, four branches or five branches, five branches of the United States military, uh, all governed by the United States, how although running independently of other each other, but talking to each other. So essentially, that's how those companies tend to work. So, what you may not understand is that the Epiphone side of the of company may or may not talk to the Gibson side, and they may. And so, what I'm saying is, there's two hypothetical situations why this could be happening. One is uh, Gibson didn't tell Epiphone. <laughs> Right, they didn't say it, they just start working on that and didn't they don't you know that 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 product manager or whoever's in charge of that start working on that and didn't really uh, ring in the you know the Epiphone side. There could be the opposite though. It could be the Epiphone side and the Gibson side talked and said we should release at different times. The Kirk Hammett thing, obviously, like I said, we talked about the Greenie before, whether it was a strategy or not. The way they released that, they did the high end guitar, but that is a very common retail release strategy. Release this unobtainium guitar that no one can get, that gets all the hype, and a couple, you know, people just throw some cash at it, and and, and then all of a sudden, like, bam, it's more obtainable, and this thing that you could only hear about and see in magazines is now available to you. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a there's another group of people that are like, oh, I couldn't get that either, and now it's a, a, a obtainable. I thought I saw. I please forgive me because I I just I just remember, um, I can't remember if it was Apple or if it was if it was Intel, but one of the computer companies uh, said, and I remember this back in the early 2000s or late 90s. I remember they said like we sold everybody who can afford a thousand dollar computer, computer, and the future is now to sell everybody who has five hundred dollars computer. That was what what they said. Okay, in in, in essence, and so that is a really, you know, kind of really in your face kind of thing to say, because that's how guitar companies work too, right? We sold everybody who has 25 grand a guitar. <laughs> now we're selling everybody who has two $2,500 a guitar. Now let's everybody who, sell everybody who has $1,500 a guitar. Um, and that's kind of like, you know, that's how you step it down. And each one is going to get a bigger base. So, so they probably follow the strategy. If they're following the strategy they just did, that would make sense too for this V. They release it as a Gibson. You here you are going, wow, I would have bought it if it was an Epiphone, but they don't want anyone. You understand one of the reasons they do that is one to get the excitement and get everybody wanting it. But also they don't want anybody that would buy the cheap, sorry, that anyone that might buy the cheaper one, not buy the more expensive one. Am I saying that right? Let me walk that back. Basically, think of it like the greenie. They don't want anyone who would possibly pay $2,500 for the greenie, the, the Gibson one, to have bought the $1,500 one instead right? They don't want to lose a sale to gain another sale. They want all the sales. And, uh, and Gibson, and in my, my, 
my observation of Gibson in in recent since um, they let James Curley go or he left or whatever that you know debacle was uh, with the James. Um, since then, I feel like Gibson has been a really focused machine at sales marketing, like really not so much anything else. Just like literally, you know, that's everything they do seems to be really strategic um, in everything they do. It's It just feels more strategic than it's ever felt before. It could just be my perception or just the way things are lining up, but it seems that way for sure, uh, uh, epically actually. So everything down to, um, and there's stuff I can't share, unfortunately, you know, but there's things that they're doing with other companies right now. And you're like, if you knew all that too, I think you'd feel the same way I do, which is, wow, everything either seems like they're, they're like out to conquer the world or they're out to create new markets or whatever they're doing. They're very focused at stuff. So there you go. Um, do we have any more early riser questions that I grabbed? I thought I had one more. I, I swear I did. And here, yet it's not here. Let me see if I can go back in the history of it. And I apologize if I didn't grab it. I thought I saw one more that was really good, but that's okay. We have lots of stuff to talk about here. Let's um, let's uh, let's hit this. Uh, so Grumpy Guitar Mike said, uh, "Grumpy Mike Guitar." That's I. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, says Merry Christmas, Philip. What are your thoughts on the relish uh, filing for bankruptcy? I didn't hear about that. You're the first I've heard about that. So um, if you guys don't know, there's a company called Relish Guitars, and they first came out with a really interesting guitar that had a like a aluminum or aluminum, however you want to do it, uh, framework that had these what I would call clamshells, like they put wood clamshells on the front and back, and it was really cool. And, uh, you know, cool concept because you could change out the look of your guitar. And then, fast forwarding a little bit, they came up with the idea to put in uh, interchangeable pickups in that system as well. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, the um, so first, I just got to say, I hate to, I hate to hear that they're going to go out of business or they're filing bankruptcy and if they're closing or whatever they're doing, hopefully they're reorganizing. But if they're closing, that sucks. Um, but unfortunately, I I'm not shocked, and that and that really, like I said, you can hear it in my tone, right? I'm really bummed out. I don't, I almost don't even want to talk about this because it's like I don't want to pick on the bones of somebody right now. You know what I mean? So let me just keep it as informative as possible without without crossing anything that makes me feel odd uh talking about this i i think their guitars were very good the quality wise i've talked about this before i did not understand their system and i really feel bad for them right now and because again i'm just learning this from you um because one thing i thought and i and i'm not throwing any blame at all but i did say this on the podcast and if you go back in the history of the podcast i can't take that back what i've said in the past which is one of my complaints was i kind of feel like you know i i tell companies all the time especially if companies are friends i tell them all the time like don't believe your own hype and don't believe anyone who you're paying or giving incentive don't believe anything they say <laughs> this is my best advice right so what i mean by that is you know, look, if you are giving out 20 free guitars to people, you know, whether they're musicians, because there could be artists, it doesn't have to be influencers and stuff. If you're giving out 20 free guitars and they all say they're great, that could be true, but I wouldn't bank on that. I would really want to hear somebody's opinion. And one thing I tell people is I, I kind of came up with a philosophy, philosophy on my channel early on, whether I work with a company, as you guys know, or I don't, um, 
you know, I'll bring a product on the channel. The way I the way I look at it is like, and I, I use this analogy often with my wife, I say, it's like a doctor. You go to the doctor and you pay them to assess you and then give you feedback. You don't pay them for good feedback. That would be insane, <laughs> right? If you went to the doctor and you're like, okay, I'm going to pay to have tests done and I only want to hear if it's great. <laughs> so the doctor, the doctor's job isn't to tell you that you're doing great. It, the doctor is to tell you what the doctor sees. Like, hey, looking at your charts, this is what I see. These are great. You're doing great here. You have some issues here. And I think that's how I look at my channel. I've always looked at my channel. When I'm assessing a guitar, it's my opinion. It's not fact. So it's, you know, it's not like I'm saying they should have to listen to it. But I've always came at it like, I'm going to give you some good and bad because it's my job to do that, right? Because the benefits are, Either A, you'll sell a lot of guitars, or B, you'll sell a lot of guitars later. <laughs> That's kind of how I look at that. So I think Relish was a victim of maybe not getting enough customer feedback. Because I think there were good guitars, but they weren't great. Um, and it's a competitive, tough market. The other thing that sucks about this and why I'm also kind of you know saddened by this is I happen to know, you know, a friend of mine reached out. Uh, he might be watching right now, so he'll know it's him. A friend of mine reached out this week and told me about another company that's going bankrupt or closing. And when he texted me that, um, you know, I felt for him because he's a he friend and he likes this company. And I told him, I said, dude, I just literally talked to three companies that are closing. So I think we're going to see some guitar companies, some pedal companies, and some amp companies closing shop for 2024. Um, if it hasn't been announced already, like Relish, I'm sure it will be announced. And again, I, I'm hoping all this is wrong. I hope maybe it's a miss thing and misnused, you know, and Relish is still in business and they're doing great. Um, but I've been hearing about it as well. And some other things that are worse than even filing bankruptcy. And it's because, um, you know, we talked about this on the show many times uh, during COVID. I don't I didn't see the world that those guitar companies saw. They saw, you know, there's a new revolution of guitar players and everything's shiny and flowers. And I saw people trapped in their houses, depressed, buying as much crap as they can buy. And all the guitar guys like me and the guitar ladies out there were just buying to feel sadness, feel, feel, F-E-E-L, <laughs> feel, feel, no, F-I-L-L, <laughs> not feel. Yeah, Phil, not, <laughs> this is going so weird. To fill, like to fill the sorrow in your soul, fill the sadness. And uh, and then once you let them outside, they would probably find other things to do besides buy their 19th guitar. And uh, and if your companies were relying on that, I think it was going to be really tough. Um, so, you know, and I think that's what a lot of companies doing. In fact, one of the companies I happened to hear about that was kind of a bummer to hear about, it was exactly that. They did well in the boom and apparently spent all the money and didn't realize that the boom didn't last forever. So... Okay, so that's my insights on that. I'm really hear, sorry to hear that. But of course, you know, we do talk about the industry as much as we talk about everything else in the show. And uh, that was uh, a thing. Um, I do know that they had the import guitars um, pretty cheap at one point. They were blowing them out. So um, I still have my Somnium guitar. Like I said, I swapped the neck to a Warmoth neck. And it was mostly just because I wanted stainless steel frets on the guitar. And I wanted a different profile and stuff because... You know, I like said, I like the mechanism. I like the guitar. I like what they're doing. And I still think they make the best interchangeable guitar. I just think that, 
you know, an interchangeable pickup guitar is a niche of a niche. You got to find a guitar player that wants to change out pickups or somebody, you know, crazy like me. But I think for those that you want an interchangeable guitar, I really still, I still stand behind the Somnium guitar. That's the one I still like. Um, and it's because of function again, kind of like what I was talking about with the, the, um, the Spark Go. It's a functionary thing. Um, I was told by a lot of people that the Relish guitars look a lot better than the Somnium guitars. And I don't want to offend the Somnium guys in any way because they make a great guitar as well. But I would also concur that the Relish guitar was, a, to me, was a, a better looking instrument. Um, but in the end, it's a function thing. You know, it's got to, it's got to do what it's got to do. I don't know what we're talking about now. <laughs> let's go. Let's go to another subject. Okay, um, another subject is uh, from Locks. Locks with two X's says, uh, "Good day, Phil. Love your show. Um, ha I've just jumped on board as a member. Oh, thank you, man. As you guys know, members and patrons support the podcast. Uh, it's how we. It's how we." Uh, buy all these cool hats and guitars and do all this cool stuff uh, for you on the show. I says, uh, I did an email, but I'm going to super chat it too. Any thoughts on the Ampeg SGT-DI? I've never gone Ampless before, but I'd like to. Um, so he's talking about a bass DI uh, pedal. I think it's a pedal or a preamp. I have to look at it again. I looked at it when it came out. I have no experience of the unit itself, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily bad. Because if you seem to like it, if you watch videos, yeah, it's a it's a DI pedal uh, for three for three ninety nine. We'll see if my web website. Oh, it does right here. This is it. Um, I'm not super familiar with this tech, this actual pedal, and what it does. But I, I have owned so many DI pedals, and I currently that's what I use now as a DI pedal for the most part. I have a couple small bass amps that I have, I, you know, in a situation where there's no PA or anything from, or no monitors, or I'm not, not using in-ears because I have in-ears as well. I'm all preamp when, it, or a pedal preamp when it comes to bass now. I, I'm DI all the way. I don't need any, um, <laughs> I don't need to haul any stuff. So, um, so I say do it. I don't think there's a downside. Here's why I like uh, preamps for, um, for bass. Not only is it great for the uh, ampless situation where you can go throw it down on the floor, run a line out to the mixer, and you know you have your tone and it's great. And if they have monitors, you're great. And if you have inners, you're great. Um, or if they just happen to have a backline bass amp that you can throw a signal to and get that as a monitor, that works great too. But the other thing that's great about it is, is once I found a preamp uh, that I liked, just like you, if you find this preamp, you like it. What I found is now I'm not really worried about a bass amp so much as something to slave this to, right? So what's great is if you ever do need a bass amp, I just bring, you can bring like a keyboard amp. You can bring anything and I just use this as the preamp, right? So um, it makes things pretty easy. Uh, I don't have to worry about like, is the $99 Fender Rumble, which is a good amp, you know, good enough. I'll throw my preamp aligned to that Rumble and that's my tone and I, it just works great. So I say go for it. Um, it's definitely, I think it's the future and it's cool. And it's got a lot more purposes than you think. Um, heck, they're just amazing just for direct recording at home. So you'll find a ton of uses for it. The only question I can answer is, you know, what do I think of it? It's not the one I, I own and I haven't tried it. So uh, Lidface says, Merry Christmas. Phil, trying to understand something you said last week. Aren't we all? <laughs> Okay, uh, says, uh, so in your opinion, the best Strat bridge pickup is the uh, old Mexican standard bar magnet with a Tele-style bridge plate. Uh, no, I, and I apologize if that's how 
what came what came across. So those are two to, those are two different things. So in the past, I have said this. I still feel this way. One of my favorite uh, single coil pickups. You know, if I was going to say my 10 favorite single coil pickups is believe it or not is the old made in mexico single coil pickups and they were constructed with uh six metal slugs and then a, a ceramic bar magnet on the bottom and i always felt like they had this um i know that's how they make a lot of cheap pickups but in their particular case they just had this really in my opinion bigger p90 punch to them and um i had for a long time I always had, and this is, you'd have to go back now a couple years, but at least a year or two, maybe three on the podcast. And I've said, I used to put the Made in Mexico uh, pickup in the bridge of my strats or guitars that had three single coil pickups. That was the standard go-to, okay? So it doesn't matter what I put in the neck and middle, I always put the Made in Mexico kind of like, in my mind, a mini P90 kind of vibe in there. And I did that. I did that until I came across another pickup I liked <laughs> and I was, uh, I wouldn't say I was frustrated cause it was like, it was fine, but I was kind of like, wow, I really like the clarity of this pickup, but man, I like the punch of that main Mexico pickup. And then of course I was like, well, I did what I always did. I started messing with stuff. And then that's where I came up with the copperhead pickup that I make. And that's why that's in the bridge of all my strats now or all my single coil style guitars. Um, that's the pickup I use in the bridge. It is not a, it's not a version of the made Mexico pickup. It's a, like I said, it's a hybrid of that, these multiple, these two concepts. And then I put them together and then added a third concept that I thought was really cool that I saw once on a unique builder that, um, was really cool because he sent me a set of pickups and I, I liked this one feature he did. I thought was really cool. And then before I could ever do a video about them, he stopped making pickups and stopped. So I'm not, so they've been sitting downstairs for before COVID. So there you go. That's how long. And, um, and since he's not making pickups, I like that one feature. So I incorporated that one feature as well. Um, which, you know, he got it from somebody else as well. So my pickup is a combination of just a couple features that I put together that I thought were cool. Um, and that would be my favorite pickup, but I do. So you're correct. And I do the, like the Mexican standard bar magnet, um, but no, I, I, you can't even put, uh, so, you know, you can't even put uh, a plate, like I was talking about the copperheads have a, a metal plate on the bottom. Um, and I don't know if you, if we ever shown them, but the pickups I make, the plates are really big. They're oversized. Um, I have these made special. Uh, so anyways, the, uh, so a little different than what you normally see. And then, um, they wouldn't go on that kind of pickup because the, there's a ceramic slug or sl ceramic bar on the bottom. It, it wouldn't go underneath. So there you go. But I apologize if there was any confusion. I hope that clarifies it a little bit uh, or a lot of bit. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Amanda uh, um, uh, uh, show uh, sending me some some comments I'm, I'm missing, which is great. She's grabbing some cool stuff. Let's grab some stuff. And I'll, I promise that, like I said, we'll definitely get the Super Chats. Um, she sent, Bob Kelly sent, I've been putting Dunlop strap locks on my electric guitars for 40 years. What do you think is the best strap lock solution these days? Surely someone has uh, has to invent a better solution. There are a ton of strap locks out there. Um, to, to my knowledge, uh, I mean, a couple dozen different, not versions of the same thing, but a couple different variations of strap locks. And um, um, I use, uh, I don't know what I use. 
Um, so as you guys know, I used DiMaggio strap locks on like 90%, if not 95% of my guitars. But when I don't use them, I use... I'm looking, I'm looking at, the, I have a rack of guitars, so I'm looking to see, because I have like, I have four or five guitars that have the, uh, they are Schallers. Okay, Schallers. I'm looking at the bu the buttons. Um, for no reason, this is the this is the, the way to explain it. I've I said this before. When it comes to the DiMarzio strap locks, when I was a kid, I bought one, <laughs> put it on my guitar, played a gig and realized that, you know, you once it's on your guitar, that's the only strap that goes on there. So I bought another DiMaggio strap, and then over time, you just buy them, you know, all your guitars. And it's great because as long as you have the ends on them, like right there, you can put any other DiMaggio strap on there. But there is a lot of limitations to it. Like I said, I, I noticed I don't highly, you know, say everybody should do this. I just explain why I did it. I've had it forever, and this is kind of where I'm stuck. But there are a few guitars that I have that I don't want to put the strap locks, the DiMaggio's on because maybe I don't use them as often, or I have, I don't know. There's no real, oh, I know why, because I have a couple straps that like I have as gifts and stuff, and I have no way to use them otherwise. So um, I went on somewhere and bought whatever was cheaper at the time I did it, whatever was Schaller. So it must've been Schaller, <laughs> whatever was like a buck cheaper. Cause I, I needed like six uh, sets. Um, but to me, in my opinion, they all work fine. Some people have some extreme opinions about all of them. Um, I've seen all of them fail and I've seen all of them work and I don't necessarily see any being worse than others, except for the counterfeit ones. And some of the really bad knockoff ones are pretty bad. Some I don't like, like Ernie Ball makes them that are really large, but you know, uh, but if you're using Dunlops, you're fine. <laughs> I think they're good. So yeah, I would, I'd say you're, you're fine. Uh, dead man, Doogie Van Dugerson says, uh, uh, can you fix the cracked heel of my Ibanez acoustic? I'm in Chandler there. This is, you know, sadly enough, you know, um, dead man, Doogie Van Dugerson, my closest friends ask me now, like, can you do a repair? And, um, I, I sometimes, I, I would say sometimes it's probably been a year uh, since I've done anything like that where I would go, I try to fit somebody in, I try to do it. But um, the uh, my resolution for 2023, which I was almost successful at, was to try to always get a day off a week and then always try to have some more family time. Uh, you know, you're always trying to work-life balance your family time. And, um, and the problem is, is this, I don't do repairs for income anymore. And so obviously like it's gotta be side money. It's like, it's like side time, side things. So there's no reason to do it. And the bigger problem I have is, is that repair now looks so much like content to me. In other words, like I just did the restring, restring video this week that if, I, if I'm doing somebody's repair, I can be doing a video. And so I just go, okay, I'll do the video, especially since somebody's always complaining. And uh, it's been a little different now that I don't handle the companies anymore uh, because now someone's complaining at somebody else and then, you know, <laughs> so I feel kind of guilty. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, they, um, I just don't. And I can tell you right now, um, uh, just so you know, I just recently, in the last three, four days, we just told about 12 or 15 companies we can't make content for them because we're so booked through so heavily past what I can actually, um, we're overbooked right now for content uh, and time. And uh, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I'm overbooked. We're, we're hoping that I can figure out how to get all this done. Uh, um, it's a lot of stuff, plus all the other projects, plus, you know, I'm doing the Kiesel event. I don't know if we talked about that. We'll talk about that today. Um, but don't let me forget the Kiesel Connect event and the updates that they gave. Um, 
Let's see. Hey, Phil, uh, love your content. I wanted to ask if a Telecaster can have an amazing sustain like a PRS McCarty, where does... What are notes can ring out for days? Of course, of course. Sustain is, uh, look, guitar, the guitar's design, a guitar's design is a big part of sustain, of course. But then there are, so let me put it this way, there are guitars that are known for amazing sustain that you can actually choke them to the where they don't sound good and they don't have any sustain. So in my experience, sustain is really coming from a couple places that are really important. I'm not saying this is gonna give you the best sustain ever in the world. I'm just saying if you got these things right, it's gonna help. First. And foremost is the action on the guitar. You are not going to get a lot of sustain if this the strings are hitting the frets. We call it kissing the frets. They're hitting the frets. They're not going to ring out for a long period of time. So it is actually common for musicians in the studio to have the action on their guitars raised a little in the recording of music. Um, because of the fact that it'll sound a little better, sustain a little better than, and on, on live stages, it doesn't matter as much. So it's more about comfort because you're just you know doing this over and over and again. So it's, it's about, again, function, you know. So you definitely want to increase the sustain. So a lot of tellies, if your action, like any guitar, if your action's too low, it's not gonna sustain, that's first. The second part is um, how well the nut is cut. It's gonna help and hurt that situation. And then the, you know, the next part is going to be those pickups. Those pickups have a huge deal to do with how they send signal. And sustain is a tricky thing as I'm, I'm, I'm actually obsessed with it all the time. And I can tell you this, why I'm obsessed with sustain is because you can just get a compression pedal, compression sustainer, or a boost pedal, and you have endless sustain. You don't need anything else. I mean, that will force it. As long as the action's not so low that it's just de dead, because the no notes are going dead. You can just force sustain, right? With those two, that one of those two products, a compressor or a sustainer, compressor sustainer or a uh, a boost pedal. But I like to have it naturally occurring, so it's nice when the guitar does it own. Um, but to say that like the McCarty, McCarty in my opinion would have more sustain. I have a McCarty right there. Uh, is it more sustained than a Tele? I'd say yes. But to say can a Tele sustain more like a McCarty? Yeah, of course. It could get pretty darn close. I mean, you can do, you know, like I said, you can make it anything works. <laughs> so, but I would start with those two things. Those things are the biggest parts. You can't go any further with your journey of sustain if you're if you're if the actual note itself isn't ringing out because everything else is just replicating that. So, it's going to replicate whatever the problem is too. Um Let's see. Steve Cassidy says happy holidays to the McKnights. Your channel is the best. That's uh very nice of you. Uh, uh how about we're the fifth best? <laughs> No, thank you. Uh, it says, uh, thank you in advance for sh uh, the sh oh shouting out his channel. Seriously, though, uh, check out the channel, the Scottish Guitar Shenanigans. I love the word shenanigans. Uh, it's, uh, so, yeah, I'll check it out. And you guys can check it out, too. Hold on a second. As Why won't this? I'm trying to. Um, sometimes we end the shows and I get a lot of messages like, oh, no, you missed this. So I'm trying to pay more attention to the things that fall through the cracks. Um, Vim69, thank you for the super huge super chat, man. That was really crazy. I'm going to, I've already spent that money. I was going to say, I'll spend that money wisely. I probably already spent it. <laughs> it. says, Phil, here's a big holiday thanks. It is. Thank you uh, for all the work that you do and Shauna uh, to educate and entertain us. I, I appreciate that. You know, on a side note, you know, Vimps, this is, a, I like these kind of, you know, hey, thanks, you know, moments. 
So I'll give thanks uh, a funny story and a thanks. Uh, I did a, a video this week that I was, uh, it's called uh, like something about mistakes people make with restringing guitars or something like that. And I did that video. It's sponsored by Sweetwater and DR Strings. And um, that is uh, the reason why I want to say thanks. That's not my video. <laughs> so this is the first, I don't know if it's the very first time, but it's the first time like this that's ever happened. Um, that was my wife Shauna's idea for a video. So she came to me. Uh, so one thing I can tell you, I, I've told you guys this, you know, for many years, we worked together for 13 years at the store. She, she did absolutely with no question. She did way more restrings than I've ever done. Um, she was constantly helping people, students restring their guitars, or she would do the restrings and uh, way more than I would. Cause it's kind of like a hierarchy thing, right? She would do more of the you know, the, the preventative maintenance type stuff uh, for with guitars. And I would do a, more of the serious stuff. And she came to me one day and she said, and this is why it was really great. She said, uh, hey, I think you should do a video about mistakes people make restringing guitars. And she wrote 11 mistakes down. And she goes, I think these should be the 11 mistakes you, you talk about. And I said, oh, that's a that's a cool video. Thanks. And I said, I'll do it. I go, um, and I go, but... Uh, you know, no one's going to probably watch it. No one really watches content like that if it's not sensationalized. But I said, but that's really cool car content. Um, if, at the very least, I can put it on the Patreon channel only, or I can, you know, put it on the channel, you know, on the, on, and then, you know, I, as you guys know, I go, when, when I don't, you know, when it's a slow week or something, maybe that's the video I'll put out. I go, it's a great idea though. So um, she's like, yeah, great. How about this? She's like, I reached out and she talked to Sweetwater and she's like, how about we get DR Strings to uh, sponsor it? And, um, you know, here's how funny this, this story is. I actually didn't even know this and I feel so stupid. Um, I tell people all the time <laughs> that I use Daddario strings, as you guys know, and I use Stringjoy. Those are the only two brands of strings I personally use. Um, that is technically true, except for I forgot, because I'm so focused all the time on the channel for guitar stuff, um, DR strings is what I use for my bass. That's all I use for my bass. I only use DR strings. So, <laughs> so at first I was like, I can't talk about DR strings. I only use Daddario and Stringjoy. And then I was like, and she's like, yeah, but you use D DR string for your bass. I'm like, I do. <laughs> And then I look and there's a stack of DR bass strings that I just bought like a few months ago. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Um, because, uh, so you know, I, I I like DR strings, but I like DR bass strings a lot. And um, because I'm a huge Marcus Miller fan and Marcus Miller uses DR, DR strings, that's all I needed to know. Um, so uh, anyway, so I'm, what I'm saying is, uh, Vimps, thank you so much for thanking me and the wife and the community and stuff. And oh, I want to thank my wife because uh, I think that video came out way better. Um, she even kind of, helped me figure it all out, which was really nice. It was really cool. It was a cool thing. And like I said, it wasn't something that was on my radar. So it was a little fun. And I think it went over well. And I enjoyed it. Um, and so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I think that's the that's the takeaway here, right? Okay, Litvay, here's one. Uh, Litvay says, tell us about the Furch guitar. First, apparently, I was uh, told that I'm saying Furch wrong. So uh, a, 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 a very nice cust uh, customer and very nice viewer who's from the Czech Republic sent us a message with the actual pronunciation. Um, I, I got to tell you, I listened to the pronunciation three times and I still don't know what it's saying. Uh, so I please, please take no offense of how I'm saying the word. Um, phonetically, what I see is Furch. So, you know, uh, I, I also am very aware I say Ingle wrong. Uh, the, my German friends tell me all the time how I'm saying it wrong. 
the the reality is this. What I've learned is um, I say things the way I think I can honestly say them, and if I can correct it, I correct it because you know it's a courtesy. But I'm not going to sit there because sometimes I just end up butchering the word even worse. So uh, Litvay just says, "Tell us about the first guitar." So if you saw the restring video, you saw there's a first guitar in there. The first guitar has been here for a long time. So Furch reached out, sent a guitar, um, and I'm super excited because I've heard that first guitars are like they're on the level of Taylor's, Martins. They're out there. They're some of the best guitars out there, and uh, and and not inexpensive by any means, but comparatively so, right? Like Kiesel to PRS, like a more affordable version of a high-end guitar, right? Um, that would be what Furch is. Furch is a very high-end guitar, but of course, comparing to similar specs, Martins and Taylors, you're getting a little bit more for the buck um, because they make them and the Czech Republic. Um, the interesting thing is that that guitar has been here for so long because when they sent it to me, I don't know if you guys know this, but what happens is companies have all kinds of ways of working with you. There's like a thousand ways. And so sometimes they're like, hey, we'll, um, we'll pay you for a video. And you're like, okay. We call that co-sponsoring, kind of like they help support the channel and we do something work together. Sometimes companies like, we'll loan you a product and you know, and you can use it in the video and we kind of work that out as, as well. Um, in this particular case, they're like, we'll give you the guitar. That was the thing. They're like, well, you pick a guitar and then we'll give you a guitar. I said, okay. So I went through the thing. I picked a very interesting guitar and they sent it to me. And then... Uh, the person at Furch that I was dealing with said um, they're going to send me a 1099 because of how it works. They said that's what happens. So you guys know, if you, you know, in a company, when you guys get all like googly about, um, uh, hey, they sent you a, a $500 guitar, they sent you a $1,000 guitar. I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you have to send them back because you get a 1099 and the depends on how the company's 1099 you. Sometimes they can 1099 you for the value of the guitar and sometimes they 1099 you for the retail value of the guitar. It's like, <laughs> Right? That no one ever pays. And you can't, I can't control that. So in this case, they were going to send me 1099. And so what I do when they do that stuff, when they tell me, okay, we're going to send you tax docs, um, I say, okay, but for what is the total? You know, because I'm going to have to pay taxes on this, that's fine. But I don't want to be in a situation where somebody gives me a, a, a $1,000 guitar and I pay, and they, the way they do the paperwork, I pay $800 in taxes for a guitar that sells for $1,000 new. So I can make a video for two days. Like it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I might just send that guitar back, right? Because I could probably buy one used for six. You see what I'm saying? Um, and uh, anyways, uh, they never gave me the paperwork. And then I found out she's not there anymore or something. And so um, it took a while and that got sorted out. So I put it in that video because I wanted you guys to see the tease of it. And then the full video will be out in about a week or so. So very cool. There's two really, really exciting acoustics that I have coming on the channel, and that's one that I'm super excited about. They've been these have been the, the most exciting acoustics I've been uh, interested in, in for for years. Mystery Chomper says, "Question: Can you recommend a chair to play guitar that doesn't kill a player's back?" This is where, like I said, I'm not a, a chiropractor or a doctor, so my advice are is never going to be like, "Please don't take it that way." I don't know anything about that stuff, so. Please don't say like, if I said, yeah, this will be fine for your back. And then in a year you're like, my back hurts more. I'm like, ah, cause you listen to an idiot on YouTube. That's not a good idea. Um, so it's a guitar. If you're a guitar tech questions, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't say I was an expert by any means, but I'm, I'm definitely tenured in it. But what I can tell you again is I'll, I defer sometimes to tell you what I use and why I use it. I use 24 inch stools that have a, um, a ring for your foot on the bottom. I do not use the 30 inch or the 32 inch stools. I only use the 24 inch stools. Now keep in mind, this is cause I'm six foot tall. Uh, 
currently working on my way to be 11 and a half, or five, 11 and a half. And so um, when, uh, when I sit on a 24 inch stool, I can put my foot flat on the floor and I can sit in a seated position that I am not uh, uncomfortable, uh, right? And then also, if I need to, I can lift my leg up and put it on the ring on the bottom. That is what I use, and I find that works really well for me. And then when it comes to the comfort of the chair, I could care less because it depends on how long I'm sitting on it. So uh, I have some padded ones, and I have some ones that are not so padded. Like I have a wood-based one. Um, I have no problems with that. Um, so, so if that helps, that's what I, I like to use. So that's that's what I use and why I use it. But I do not like to be up high, even though I always felt it feels cooler. Uh, when you're sitting up on the 30 inch or the 32 inch stools, it kind of feels like more you're like performing and stuff. I actually like the feeling of that, you know, emotionally feeling almost like when you stand and play guitar in the room, it feels a little cooler. Um, but comfort wise and everything else, uh, 24 inch stools. If you're shorter or if that doesn't work for you, then I would find a different stool, but uh, definitely get some kind of adjustable stool as well and just, you know, that's my suggestion. And then work on your posture more so than probably the chair itself. Okay, Eddie Jr. says, Phil, Warmoth has an angled uh, neck pocket option for a non-recessed Floyd. Can you explain what this means? Yeah, of course. Um, so on the Badlands guitars, we were on the first run, if you have a Redline guitar, we used a shim. That is a very te uh, technical, that's a very technical way. That's a very typical way for a guitar company, especially back in the 80s to do things. What we are doing is we gotta change the neck angle a little bit, otherwise the bridge can, uh, it won't situate correctly and it could cause damage, okay? So so if you have a Floyd Rose mounted to the top, right, in other words, not recessed bridge, you want the neck at a slight angle because uh, the bridge is basically at a slight angle and it's just a preferable way for the bridge to not uh, get you know, lower it too low and be a problematic. Um, the, uh, the reason we did that was because it's a bolt-on neck and it's an easy way to fix things uh, as a first run goes out. You're like, okay, w if we have problems, we'll pull necks off and we can adjust, okay? The second run will not have shims because we did the same thing that that Warmoth is doing, we we had the CNC's reprogrammed to change the neck pocket to put the angle in. The reason why we did it this way is because we got feedback from the first 50 customers who had the guitars and their complaints, and we saw the ones that went bad and the ones that went right, and from that we could go, okay, this is the spot, we feel pretty comfortable. But that's why they're doing that. It's a good idea, and then of course you can still shim it as well. Deadman327 says, drummer's throne? You can use a drummer's throne, um, especially because it, you know, it can get really low. So if you're a little shorter, that's really great. The only reason I don't use a drummer's throne is because I like having that ring uh, around to, to lift my foot up. The reason is, is when I'm sitting, like when my, my feet flat on the ground, I'm sitting in a certain position where the guitar is uh, horizontal, but I sometimes I like to pick my left leg up and hold it more like a classical guitar. And it, and so if you have a drummer's throne, which will work, you probably will want a stool or a box or something to put your foot on versus having a, a you know, adjustable ring or a ring uh, to put your foot on. That's all. Gary says, hey, Phil, uh, know you like to, uh, I know you like a travel guitar. Have you seen the Sierra uh, guitar system? Saw it on Daryl Braun's channel. Very interesting concept. Any thoughts? They reached out. We sent them what we want to do the video. We'll see if they respond. Um, you know, you never know. Um, I have reviewed uh, an insane amount of travel guitars. Funny enough, when I, am I saying it? Sierra, Sierra, so Sierra, whatever. Uh, who, 
I, I, there's, you know, it's funny, you know, when they say never say never, <laughs> I tell, I tell, I say it to everybody. I go, I'm never, I'm not doing any more apps ever again. I'm not doing any more travel guitars ever again because <laughs> I've done so many. And, um, and, uh, when they reached out, uh, with their guitar. So here's the deal with their guitar. Um, it's 17 to $1,800. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, cause again, I'm upfront about everything. I don't, I don't care. They, um, if a company, we, we've kind of changed things when companies reach out, some companies like recently send me an NDA and say, Hey, we want to talk to you, but we want an NDA. It's cause they, I obviously don't want me to talk about it on the channel. <laughs> Mike, that's fine. Uh, they did not ask for the NDA. So let me just tell you what we told them. They sent me a thing saying, Hey, we want you to check out this guitar and maybe do a deep dive. And I said, great. And they said that if you do that, um, we'll give you a link and every guitar you sell, you will get 10% of the guitars. We responded with, we don't sell guitars. So there's no incentive. We don't want to make a video that incentivizes you buying it. Okay. Um, the Sweetwater links and all that stuff that we put throw out there, they're catch all links. I don't know if you guys know this, but I've said this so many times in the past. Um, if you, if you, if I say, Hey, the spark goes really cool. And if you click the link down below Sweetwater and buy one, I get something that's great. But if you don't want to buy anything, you want to support this channel, buy some strings, whatever you buy at Sweetwater, whether I suggest it or not. <laughs> so it's not, so the, the great thing about that is sometimes when I do a video, um, <laughs> and I point out some things that are not so great. I'm like, well, we're not going to see a whole lot of revenue from the sales of that. And I don't want to think that way. I don't want to be like, oh, better edit out the part where I say this. Otherwise, no one's going to buy anything and I don't get paid. So we told them, look, we don't get, we don't want to make money if we sell guitars. We want to make money educating people about your guitar. And so if you want to co-sponsor a video with us, we'll do it. And um, uh, so we'll see. We'll see what they, what they come back with or if they come back. Um, with anything, but yeah, I'm interested in and in doing the video for you guys. It's a really interesting guitar. It's gonna be a lot of work. That's why I'm sometimes I would say like you know I told you I will work out a deal sometimes with a company like hey we can work out a deal where we keep the product or something like that or you know sometimes it's just like as you know sometimes I just buy it and we put it on the channel because you guys want it that bad. This is a guitar that I don't know. I've heard a lot of chatter from you guys about, so I don't know if you guys are actually interested in it but more importantly with all of the things going on with it it's got to be tested it's not like remember i don't open the box and go man it folds in half i gotta throw i gotta throw everything at this like kind of like when journey sent me a, a guitar and i took it to utah desert and put it in a 130 degree truck <laughs> you know i i feel like i feel like if i can't give you guys more information you can figure out just staring at a picture or reading their ad copy i don't know what the hell i'm doing here uh, why even do these videos? So, cause somebody's willing to pay you for it. It seems pretty stupid to do videos that way. Uh, so, so we'll see what happens. It, but like I said, it'd be insane work. My guess is when, if they take the, if they want to do the deal with us, uh, my guess is it's going to take me about 60 hours of work, physical, you know, actual work. So there you go. A week and a half of actual, you know, work, um, spread out over a period of time, doing all the testing, everything to you know, give you guys all the feedback on it. And I think you deserve it because although it's made in the USA and I am very proud, uh, to be an American and I'm very proud to buy guitars in, from my country. Um, you know, there is a lot of stiff competition in that guitars market. That is a 25% the price. And so, I mean, I don't want to just go, Hey, it's $1,800, but it's made in the USA. So you should give somebody 10 times more money. Uh, that's a, that's a hard argument to just throw that it has to be, 
that has to be a factor, which is a great factor in my opinion. You know, hey, it's made in USA and I'm really excited about that. But then it has to be, and then it kicks ass in all these ways and that's why it's more. Um, I don't know of another travel guitar. So, so to give you a reference of this, you can buy a custom made to your liking Kiesel guitar, headless, which for the same price as their guitar and, and it would be a travel guitar. So, um, and although there's folds in half, um, that's cool. But if you've ever been on a plane, uh, the overhead bins are big enough for a headless Kiesel guitar, no problem. So that's why I would, like I said, I need, I'd really need to put it through its paces and not just do a unboxing and it's great video. It won't work for me. Okay. Um, but thank you, Gary. Uh, and thank you for trying to put it on my radar. Cause again, so, you know, if you guys, if enough of you guys say something like, Hey, we want to see this on the channel and the companies don't want to work with us. Or in this case, we say something to a company and they don't, you know, they don't like that deal. We'll just buy it ourselves and do it ourselves. Again, it's, it's, if you want the videos, I'm, I'm excited to do them. If I want to do the video, I do them. That's what I do when I'm excited about a video. My wife, I said to do a respring video and I go, okay, let's do that. You know, uh, it seemed exciting to me. So, but when companies basically reach out and say, we want a video, it's gotta be more than just, they want a video. Cause every company wants a video all the time from everybody who doesn't want cheap or free advertising all the time. <laughs> so that's usually not enough uh, reason to put it on the c content out. Uh, Fred Level Midnight says, had my old luthier back in Texas put some bare knuckle mules in my, in, in this month, uh, tried for, for the recommendation. This Maybach Lester is the nicest guitar I own now. Yeah, I like Maybach as we talked about this. The Maybach Lester was, um, that was the guitar that I was super interested in for the longest time, but Maybach wouldn't ship one to the U.S. <laughs> so I was like, all right, uh, you know, it was really cool. But I, I, I played a bunch of the Maybach when I was overseas and uh, I thought they were fantastic. But like I said, when I asked them if they would sell me one or ship me one, uh, I, like I said, I asked, would you sell me one? They said, no. I think they, and I don't know this, please, you know, just, I'm, we're, again, water cooler talk, okay? I don't know this to be 100% true or anything, but the impression I got was their concern was if I bought the guitar and I did a YouTube video, the video could go viral, and next thing you know, have Gibson up their butt about it. So I don't think they wanted the headache of that. That's what I got. It could have been something totally else. They did mention, though, they don't, they don't want any grief from Gibson. <laughs> they did say that to me verbally, so I knew that was part of it. But I think the reason why even... I get why they didn't want to send one to the channel, like, you know, to get promotion. But, you know, not selling me one seemed more of a... Because that's that's a no-brainer for most companies, right? If I'm like, oh, if I buy it, I put it on the channel, that's... You make money selling me a guitar and you get promotion. It seems good. But I don't. I think they didn't want the headache. So, so, you know, I'm dealing with an issue right now with a guitar company that um, their guitar they sent me is technically a violation of a Gibson trademark. <laughs> and uh, it, we've been discussing the fact that, that um, once I do the video, Gibson might see it and then have an issue with their, their product. So it does happen. Uh, Willie Wonkanobi, that is a great name. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, thank you for the super chat as much, uh, so much. Thank you. It says Merry Christmas. Thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you for another great year, man. Thank you. That was awesome, and um, it was a good year. It was a lot of crazy stuff happening on our side, um, but a lot of good stuff on the channel. And uh, you, uh, you guys are of course always awesome. Um, 
Segway, this is a good segue, two things. One, we will be doing a, a show next Friday uh, for our New Year's special show. I will be announcing the winner of whoever won the pickups, which will be exciting. Uh, the other thing is, we should talk about this. Um, so if I didn't explain this, um, I'll explain it right now. Kiesel Guitars is having an event. It's much like what PRS Experience was for those that have experienced experience the PRS experience. I've been to the PRS experience before. Um, it's where I met Tim Pierce and we became friends. Uh, so uh, basically it's January 27th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's on their site. It's on their facility. They're going to have food. They're going to have food trucks, right? Um, and I know I've talked about this, but you can go to Kiesel Connect. I'll put a link right now. Um, it has a countdown timer and they have all kinds of things like shows and signings and master classes and uh, and uh, clinics, which is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be giving a clinic. And uh, my clinic's a little secret, if that makes any sense. Like we put some stuff on there, but I think it's going to, I think whoever's going to be there is going to be surprised where it goes and what it does because it's going to be a good, good little clinic. Uh, I put a lot of thought into it. And um, this is really cool because uh, this is free to the public. It's free to you guys, It's but it's first come, first serve. So, of course, you know, you guys got to get on the you know, get, sign up. Okay. So, um, so, uh, but the best part is it's free and it's 60 minutes South basically of Anaheim. So if you're at the NAM show, if you're going to the NAM show, please, you know, feel free to sign up and do the thing and come Saturday and meet with me. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, um, at some point, once it firms up, which is basically in a week, I'm going to be, uh, if you're going to the event, I will have a place for you to come to the Know Your Gear podcast website, and we'll have either a WhatsApp or a Facebook group, um, whichever is easier, we'll figure that out. And and um, we've done this in the past where everyone who's going to go to the event can sign up to be in this group or be in this group, and we can group chat each other. It's a great way to ensure things are, uh, so if you're there and you're like, hey, hey, I'm lost, I can't figure out what it is, and, you know, people there can go, well, I'm here. So if you're at the Safeway, you're only two miles off. Or if you're like, hey, is Phil going to be at, you know, Denny's tomorrow morning for breakfast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to Denny's tomorrow if anyone wants crazy enough to try to meet me there. So that's what we did in the past and it worked really good. So just be aware that's the Kiesel Connect thing. There's a lot of cool artists. They're going to have, um, I mean, they're going to have Devin Townsend. They're going to have a lot of great players. Uh, Stephen Carpenter. Um, it's just a lot of cool stuff, right? And so it'll be fun. So though, and they're doing factory tours like the one I did a video of, and you can go and do an actual factory tour while they're actually working. So I will be at the event. I'm very excited about it. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like this is probably the most excited. No, this is absolutely the most excited I've ever been to a, about uh, going to an event. It's the only event I've ever been to where uh, my wife said, "Please go." So. Every other event, she's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you need to go. But she's like, she basically said, uh, you got to go. You got to go to this thing. So it was really cool. It was really nice. Okay, SS says, I have a guitar with stainless zero fret that is way too high. Took it to a tech. He charged me $130, which is already insane. I don't know what that's about. But let's go deeper. But didn't remove enough material. Low string, still almost one millimeter off the first fret tech refused to revise it what should i do sounds like the tech is horrible i mean that's a lot of money i don't understand 130 dollars for what are you saying like a full setup and that was part of the setup price and that's the whole deal or they did just that one thing this is where it gets a little tricky that sounds like a lot actually that is way too much money to do a one thing service um if that fret is a little high um I mean, you paid $130, you can 
you could buy the tools from Stumac and do it yourself at that price and um, and and just take care of the one high fret. Um, being stainless steel, so it's, uh, I've had this conversation with you guys before, so let's just be very clear. Stainless steel frets, the um, they wear tools down faster because they're harder materials, okay? But they don't need special tools. You don't see uh, um, manufacturers using special tools um, to do stainless steel frets, okay? Um, they don't use, they will use better tools and not cheap tools, but they don't use special tools. They do wear the tools down and sometimes the tools have to be, um, you know, re retooled or, you know, replaced because of the, you know, hardness of the frets. So what I mean by that is you don't have to buy anything special to work on your stainless steel frets. The only thing that you have to do with stainless steel frets that is tough is they are very hard to polish perfectly smooth. Okay. Um, a lot of people will tell you they don't like stainless steel frets because there's always like these micro scratches in them. And uh, in my experience, um, that's just because they haven't worked hard enough. I mean, you get there. It just sucks. And the problem is, especially if you do fret work, that's your crutch, by the way. If you've done a million frets <laughs> and then you're doing standstill, you're going to be and you go, ah, oh, yeah, you just can't polish them, uh, you know, smooth. That's because your brain is thinking like, oh, if I work 10% more, then they'll get polished. No, it's like double the time to get them polished smooth. I mean, essentially, they're they are very hard to smooth out the 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 um, the marks. There are tool, the tooling marks from your stuff. Uh, so if you buy a better file, like a, a diamond file, that's going to be even easier to polish. But you can do do it yourself. Um, the quest now let's talk about your problem with the tech and the money issue okay this is a tough area because in my experience if you're working with somebody and you're not either don't feel they're ethical or qualified my my two cents is get the hell away from them right <laughs> okay um it's not going to get better from here okay it's uh, there's there's a saying it's called putting good money after bad this tech is going to get exponentially worse if they were crappy and they're not pissed off they're gonna be crappier when they're pissy or whatever the issue is um and if they're telling you they don't want to do it or refuse to to revisit it or revise it um you know again i wasn't there you could be the jerk in this situation <laughs> okay but i'm just saying i'm going off of what you said so that's what i can go off of but in this case um if you don't feel like you can work out something with that tech you know by hey can i just pay you a smaller amount or can i what do you need to to do this? I need this to be right. I find that you need to be very, when you talk to people, you need to be very um, stern, but polite. But more importantly, you need people to understand what you need, uh, not what they need to do. Okay. So if you tell, like, if you say to somebody, here's just, again, some advice. If you tell somebody like, you need to fix this, they're going to get defensive. But if you say, I need this to work. I need this to play right. You're drawing them in to your sympathy, <laughs> which is, it's a tactic, but it's the best tactic in my experience. You want the person doing your work on your side. You don't want that to be an adversarial experience. It's going to make everything bad. So I would say, and if, whether you do this with this tech or in the future, you got to say like, here's my expectations and here, and here's what I need and how do we get there? And 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 don't and when they say they won't do the work, you're like, well, what do you need to help me get there? Because with this I can't do. I can't have the guitar not play right. It's gonna make me nuts. Now, if you don't feel like you can work something out with that person, I would find a new tech or, like I said, buy the tools and do it yourself. Um, it is it is not a super hard thing to do. I um, 
I mean, I, you know, I got to say stuff with caution, you know, because I mean, you could take a little too much material and have a problem, but I don't know what type of guitar it is. And I don't know all the, the factors going in, but I'm telling you for that, for what you're describing as a problem, I've done them on a thousand videos now, little touch-ups and little things and, and they, it works fine. So, and, um, also don't be afraid to get a second opinion. You're asking my opinion, but maybe you need to go to another tech and have them critique the other techs work and see what they see. Um, so, you know, that sometimes what can happen is that other tech might say, oh no, I just need to adjust your neck. And then they go, you're fine. You're like, wow, I didn't even know that, you know, because again, there's different ways of approaching problems. That's all my, that's all the, my thoughts on that subject, but uh, my heart goes out to you, man. I know that sucks. I hear about it all the time. I think with this, it's one of the things that when I, when I was doing tech work, I really worked on my disposition more so than anything else because I love it. I have, I always, I'm just going to say it because it's the holidays and I should get a grace card. There's a lot of asshole techs. I've said this so many times and they're always talking about the quality of their work as like their house, you know, the show house, that doctor who's like a jerk to everybody because he's a genius. There's so many techs out there that think that because they're a genius, they could be a jerk. <laughs> I, I, to the point where they just make me, you know, nuts because because they're, you know, it's like this attitude of they're not in the service industry. They're absolutely in the service industry. That's what you're doing. You're servicing guitars for customers. If you're going to be in the service industry, you should learn to be in the service industry. Right now, I probably lost three guitar techs that hate me already, and they just un unsubscribed. I used to think this guy was cool, but now he's a jerk. Because um, I never understood that. I've never understood if if you you got to learn to communicate with people and you got to learn to help them. And your goal, your goal, and their goal should be the same goal, which is you want their guitar to play great, and they want their guitar to play great. And somewhere there has to be a compromise. And if that compromises uh, more money, and here's what I've learned. I've learned that the money thing is the easiest thing. This is, now I give you advice. Let me give you some advice to some guitar techs out there. Guitar techs seem to focus on the fact when people say they don't want to pay for things, that's inherent. They can't help it. They, it's instinctive to say, like, I don't want to pay all this money. But what I've learned is they will pay more money if you do what they want. Because at the end of it, they don't want crappy at $130. They want amazing. And if amazing means $190, they really didn't want to pay $190, but they really don't want to pay $130 for crap, right? I mean, that makes total sense, right? If, if it costs $1,000 to fix your car, but $500 to get your car back still broken, that's not a deal. <laughs> so so that's why you have to learn um you know, and I can only, that's why I talk to you guys about when you talk to the text, here's how you talk to the text. And when you're text, this is how you can talk to people. And, um, and, and, um, I will tell you this and I, and I, I try not to ever like, you know, boast or anything I can, but when it comes to guitar tech work and being a guitar tech for two, two decades, here's what I will tell you as a, to other guitar techs. And I'll say this, um, if you think you're a way better guitar tech than me, I think that you, there is a strong chance that that is absolutely true. But from my experience with guitar techs across the country as a whole, um, I would say a big chunk of you guys cannot hold a candle to my personability with customers. And I will win every time because <laughs> all I have to do is be competent and nice. The fact that you're extra better at it, but horrible to deal with is not, is not a competitive edge. It's just not. In fact, um, I have interviewed now 
almost all the greatest guitar players that are currently living, you know, that are out there. I mean, I, you know, I'm, that, that may be a little excessive, but you understand a good number of them. And they are very consistent in, they pick a guitar tech because they have to be around this person for an entire tour. That is actually the most important thing. They have trained people to be guitar techs, that they just like the person and, and passed on a guitar tech who was a great tech, but he was just a pain in the ass to be around. So uh, personalities first. Uh, for sure, in my opinion, if you're in a service industry, like I said, if you're a guitar tech and you don't have to talk to people, you can be as jerky as you want. Sit in the back of a place or a store or work in a factory and grumble and never talk to anybody and you'll be super successful because they love your work. But if you have to interact with people, you have to learn how to deal with people. Otherwise, no good. You know why? Because that person right now, this is the advice to the techs again, this person, Paul, he just he just said, gave me, oh, sorry, SS? <laughs> SS just gave me $20 to super chat me to tell him about his bad experience with you. And he was kind enough not to tell me where you're at in your name. And that's good. I'm I, So, you know, I actually prefer that. Please don't do that. We're not want to dox people or, or out people. Or, or We're not here to slam people. We're talking about to talk about the experiences and how we can improve from them. That's the whole point of this weekly community chat. The point is, you got $130 from this guy. You're not fixing the problem. I'm assuming, again, this guy's at fault, the tech. And you got $130 and you didn't fix the problem. And what damage would be caused from a YouTube channel that gets an average of 100,000 streams <laughs> combined on all its platforms on an episode saying you suck? Because now this guy knows how to basically go out there and talk to a community about it. So that's what I'm saying. Like I said, we all should learn together. We'll learn. We'll be better. It'll be awesome. So I say, SS, learn to do it yourself. You'll be the best tech you know, I promise. Boy, this is a sensitive subject, I can tell, because tipping is nuts right now. Um, I mean, according to, I don't know where you live, Roger, but I live in the USA. I'm assuming you're in the USA. I don't know why, just am. In the USA, we're tipping everybody now. <laughs> I mean, we're tipping everybody. They're tipping computers. <laughs> you guys seen the video where the guy's in the airport, and it's a self-checkout, and the self-checkout asks, what tip does he want to leave? So I guess we're tipping everybody, but that that's just, I got to be honest with that because that's just something that's disgusting. And please don't go on a tangent, you guys, and focus on that because it's a guitar channel. Let's stay positive, but I got it out there. We're tipping everybody now, apparently. That being said, uh, I don't know if it's because people, when I did their work, knew I was the owner of the store as well or just, the you know, what it was. But in... Uh, 15, I'll say 15 of the years, that's a safe route. In 15 of the years of doing tech work with people, I received three tips. <laughs> I know this because I remember every tip. <laughs> the first tip I ever got was from a guy who tried to tip me five bucks. And this is a, uh, this is great. He, he, I, he asked me if I could knock out something real fast. Kind of like one of those, he walked in the store and he's like, I need this and I need it like an hour. And I'm like, I looked at it. We assessed the problem. And I said, I could do this. And then he left and I just did the work and he came back in like an hour and 20 minutes and I was done. And he's like, okay, it's done. And I go, yeah. And he gave me five bucks. And when he went to hand me five bucks, I'd never been tipped before. So my first reaction to it was no, oh, this, no, no tip. I was, that's what I was doing. Cause I was like, I didn't know you don't tip me. Funny enough. That's why it's nice. to have good friends. My buddy, Ralph <laughs> sees this. He comes around the corner. He takes the tip from the guy and he says, oh, I'll take care of him. Uh, Phil, you want a coffee from Starbucks? And I said, yeah. And he goes, 
and he holds the five dollar up and he goes i'll get you a coffee from starbucks and he goes out the door to go to starbucks and uh because ralph knew like you know i he knew i was saying no because you know i didn't know what to do and he knew that you know hey you know the guy wanted to uh give me a tip i learned that you so i i promise i have a good answer for you and i know this is a story um so the two other tips i got was when I started doing tech work from the shop in the house, obviously, uh, before COVID and then COVID ruined all that. Um, and customers who were long time customers would come and all of a sudden tip me and they never tipped me before. That's why I said, I wondered if it was like the store. So it, it was kind of a, a thing, right? Um, what I will tell you about tips is this. I can't tell you um, what the etiquette is if you should tip a tech. I don't, I think you should tip if you want to. Um, that's what I think. You know, I don't think it should be required. I don't think it's something you should have to stress over or worry about. I don't think you have to think they're like, if I don't tip this guitar tech for doing the work, will they do great work in the future? I think, um, you know, a tip is an appreciation. If you want to give some appreciation, I think, and if you're uh, being offered a tip after my story I just told you, I think you should accept it because that's your way of saying thank you back is taking the tip. But I don't think you have to worry about tipping a guitar tech, even in today's market. Um, I just don't think so. Again, like I said, I, I find, um, I find, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything that would, I don't think it, so best part is, I don't think there's any guitar techs that would technically be offended by it. I'm still, of course, hang out with tons and tons of people who repair guitars for a living across the country. And um, I can't speak for all of them, of course. But I can tell you in conversations I've had over, you know, the years and years of talking to them, it's not something that ever came up. <laughs> no one ever goes, how much does somebody tip you? Should they tip you? It's not something we even think about. Um, it's just something, you know, like I said, you, you really, our focus, every focus I've ever had is more about who says yes and no to your bids. I would say a good reason to tip at Guitar Tech is if they did a really, really good job or something over the, you know, over the top. But also if you do, because it does happen, if you get a sense that maybe they underbid the job and they are doing a lot more work than, and you can tell, because you can tell, right? You can tell like whether it's your landscaper or guitar tech or anybody, you can tell that they bid the job, they're doing the work and all of a sudden you're watching them and you're like, man, I don't think they thought this is what they were going to get into. Maybe that's a nice way to throw a little something at them at the end and, and whatever it is, it'll feel like you you uh, understood and appreciated it so yes but there you go that's that's my thought on that it's weird that we have to talk about that paul thank you so much for the super chat brad guitar miller says uh phil thanks for the distraction been in a hospital emergency back in surgery oh wow uh since the 12th going home tomorrow well i'm happy you're going home especially for the holidays uh Always love the channel. Brad, that sucks, man. I'm sorry to hear you in the hospital and you had an emergency. Um, it's uh, it's tough, man. It's, this is the worst time, too, of the year when that stuff happens. But the good news is we're going to focus on is that you're out. That's good. Thank you. And thank you, man. Thank you. You've always been supportive of this channel for many years, and I've always appreciated it. And um, if you guys don't know, we've talked about Brad many times. If you don't know Brad Guitar Miller, he's mostly he's known for a bunch of things. But what he's mostly known for is he makes the aluminum uh, fret rocker which is really cool. Um, you see it from time to time in my videos. So uh, there there you go. So here you go. Uh, Wes, thank you for a super chat. I appreciate that. NYC says, I got a great deal on a 2000 McCarty. Best guitar I've ever had. Uh, but the pickup covers and bridge are really tarnished. How should I clean them? This came up last week. And we talked about using the, the Music Nomad um, polish. And... Um, uh, 
that should work, but it won't get them back shiny, shiny again. It'll just, you know, get some of the crud and clean them up and stuff. So, so that would be my suggestion for that. Same as last week. Johnny said, for the string support, I thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, strings. It's funny. You think I get, uh, as a, you know, as a, you know, channel, you think a YouTube channel, I get it free strings. I still buy my strings. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I don't know if it's funny. I think it's funny. Um, but I, yeah, I, so yeah, I, I, so in other words, Johnny, what I'm trying to say is that money actually will go to strings. That's one thing I end up, but I buy a lot of strings more because of, you know, guitars come in for, uh, videos and stuff. Sometimes the string breaks and I got to restring it and stuff. Um, okay. How are we doing time? We got a few minutes to button things up. Let's um, let's see what else we miss, and let's go to let's hop out of this. Of course, Amanda sent me a ton of questions as well. Um, uh, Binky Warren, this is Amanda highlighted this for me. Thank you, Amanda. Says Phil, are frets reusable? Uh, if I take one out of the guitar, can I put one in another guitar? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, so this is this is one of those crazy conversations that are, is an age difference thing. Okay, um, the the old I've seen years and years ago older players <laughs> literally rip frets out and reuse them. <laughs> um, that is definitely a mentality of a generation who's like, don't throw crap away. Um. And as you guys know, I'm a huge, I mean, that's why I like repair. I'm a huge proponent of, hey, don't throw things away. Fix things, right? Keep things going, okay? It's not everything needs to go to the landfill yet. Like, let's keep let's keep things going as long as we can. But I'm also realistic with my time and effort. And sometimes, uh, you know, fret wire is not expensive. So let's start there. It's not an expensive product that you have to conserve. Um, you can recycle that stuff, I think. I don't know. I've never, I don't know what we do with the old frets. Uh, I know we put them somewhere, but I've never asked if it was goes in the recycle or if it goes in the trash. I'm going to find out now this week. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, you can totally reuse the frets. I just don't know if that's a, like I said, it's, it's, it's a time issue. Cause you're going to have all kind. it's going to, it's a pain in the ass. So it's the answer is my answer is yes, but almost like don't <laughs> that, that helps. Um, uh, Papa Steve, this is also sent to me by the moderators. Thank you, Amanda says, Phil, anybody, Phil or anybody. So I'll just, I'm, I'm anybody too. Is the Sire T3 worth $400 or should I just get a made Mexico Fender Telly? Thanks in advance. Um, I like the Sire guitars. Every Sire guitar I put my hands on is great. Uh, I think they're fantastic instruments. Um, I like the guitars. I like the company. I like everything about them. Um, that being said, if it's quality, you're asking me as a suggestion, is it a quality guitar and should you be comfortable at 400 bucks? I would definitely say get the Sire. Um, a Made in Mexico Fender, though, is a lifetime guitar. It's a guitar that has a resale value. It's it's the power of brand, okay? Um, very few brands are ever going to have the power of Gibson or Fender. It's just a fact. It's like, you know, Kiesel and Paul Reed Smith and all these guys are going to keep trying and trying and trying, and they're going to get close, but they're never going to get there. Uh, 
maybe, what did I say earlier today? Never say never, but it's not likely they're gonna get there. So it's hard to suggest products over Fender for that factor. Um, but I will tell you where I don't understand the question completely is, I don't know, unless we're talking about used, I don't know where you can buy a made in Mexico Fender anymore for 400 bucks. Um, that's not what I see the prices are. So even with discounts and stuff, they're still a little higher than that. But there you go. Um, I kind of feel like saying, if you like Sire and you, you picked it up and you played it and you go, man, I like this more than a Fender. Should I get this? I should say yes. But if you're saying without trying them both, I'm thinking about getting one, which one you, would you bet on? I bet the Defender is a good one. Uh, T-Bone says, thanks again. Uh, this is Amanda highlighting this. Uh, T-Bone says, uh, Phil, Merry Christmas. Phil, do you see Fender adding or dropping some lines? For instance, the Performer line seems kind of stagnant. Uh, very little color options seems underwhelming. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I can tell you that um, my, as predictions go, let's do uh, predictions. I was going to do a lot of this next week, so I'll try not to do too much of it today. I have my predictions uh, for January of next year and next year is we're going to see a huge rollout of product, products. Um, uh, you heard if you were, you know, if you're paying attention to this earlier, when I said we told like a dozen companies, no, I mean, that just tells you how many companies must be coming at us. Um, and if they're coming at, and I've said this before, if I'm getting a lot of companies coming to me, that means every, you know, a crap ton of YouTubers got even more because I'm usually kind of last on the list with all the companies. Um, uh, but, uh, there is going to be a lot of product coming out. Um, will that also be uh, cu cutting down, slimming down lines? I would imagine, you know, the, the guitar brands tend to do what every company does. They follow the market trends and the market trend next year should be selling a little bit less and um, you need more excitement to sell what you got. I mean, think about this. I don't know where fourth quarter is going to end. Uh, it feels great. Like sales wise, it looks like a lot of people sold a lot of stuff. Um, and again, I don't have a total gauge on that, but that's the impression I'm getting right now is that everybody's selling and have sold a lot of product for Christmas, but it was because they were slashing prices. So when they jack their prices back up in January, what's going to happen? That's going to be tough. You know, I mean, you know, getting 30 and 40% off and then watching it go back 30, 40% up next month is going to be a tough one to, to swallow. Uh, Sam wants to know if there's a guitar. Thank you, Amanda. This is a uh, Sam wants to know, Phil, is there a guitar term that annoys you? For example, plays like butter. No, that stuff doesn't bug me um, at all. Uh, incorrect terminology doesn't bother me um, as long as people understand this. Uh, this like a lot of things. There's a lot of incorrect terminology that we all understand. So the fact that it's incorrect is, you know, who cares? Um, you understand, you know, like, you know, we call the, the jack on a guitar, the output jack. Some people do as an input jack on it. And somebody goes, well, it's an output jack. The signal's going out. Well, no one is confused. <laughs> if you said, Hey, uh, put the cable in the input jack of the guitar. You'd be like, where is that at the headstock on the other end? You, you know, I mean, people understand what you mean. So I don't really get, uh, uh like, I'm, I'm not annoyed by that. Um, and I know you're talking more in the, um, you know, the way we kind of use emotional express, expression, expressions. I actually like the emotional expressions. I hate kind of the techie side. Um, the techie side, the scientific side of the guitar world, to me is necessary if you want to make content. Um, it's hard to explain. Feels like this much to somebody. It's so much easier to say, 
it's three and a quarters inch. It's an inch an inch, or if you're, you know, it's it's ten millimeters, or it's this, you know, right? So communicating using actual terminology that people can understand is important. Obviously, if you're communicating on YouTube and stuff or and social media, um, but. I think words, sure, if I said, you know, like you said, uh, buttery, right? If I said, oh, this tone is buttery, it might mean different things to some different players, but generally we understand what that means. I like, I personally like using emotional terms, emotions to explain music and guitar because at the end of the day, that's what I care about the most. I care about the emotional part of this. Guitar gives me joy. <laughs> That's what it gives me. Music gives me joy. It makes me happy. It it gives me solace. It fills my soul. It's is this is stuff that when you talk about it sometimes people get like not only so much uncomfortable but they think it, you know, some people get annoyed by this. I don't care. Like when somebody says if somebody said a mahogany guitar makes me feel good about myself and an alder guitar makes me feel bad. I wouldn't care <laughs> because I'm like, I get it. I don't know why I get it, but I get it. I don't, you know, I get it. This is how it has to be. It has to be an emotional thing um, because this is a passion thing. It, it was, it's, it's passion. It's, it's uh, so using passionate terms, right? This guitar is beautiful. Um, you know, this guitar sounds cold or this song song like, I'll tell you, okay, so you know what? That's what's great about flushing out an answer because remember, this is all ad hoc. You guys are just throwing stuff at me and I got to think of an answer. I will tell you a term. It doesn't annoy me, but it it always makes me a little sad, okay? And I actually read one today. So somebody commented on one of my videos today. And it's not about me. It's just a video. And it's the guitars have no soul comment. It doesn't annoy me. I'm not upset about that. I get sad because I think that guy sorry, that person sucks at playing guitar. <laughs> I don't mean sucks like they're not good, like they're just technically not good. That means they must think they suck. I think, obviously, an inanimate object has no soul. <laughs> like I, my joke is, I've said before, if a guitar had a soul, well, a guitar was a tree. If it had a soul, it was when it was in a tree and we killed it. <laughs> so uh, I don't understand a guitar doesn't have a soul. Um, I think in the term, I think in that terminology, what we're really implying is that the guitar doesn't speak to you. It doesn't have a, a life. It's not doing anything for you. I understand that in the slang, but that actually is not how most people mean it. That is how some people mean it. Some people mean it like it's life. It, it sucks. This guitar sucks. It has no soul. I'm like, well, you're the soul. <laughs> you, 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 you make that guitar sound like it has a soul. You give that guitar to John Mayer or Eric Clapton or insert your favorite guitar player here, give that guitar to them and I guarantee you all of a sudden that guitar has a soul all of a sudden. <laughs> so I don't think uh, that term is, I, li I don't like it, like I said, it, 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 I don't like it as much because it's always meant as a negative now. It's never meant like this guitar doesn't speak to me, um, which I think originally when people said it has no soul, I kind of think that's what they were going for. I'm okay with that term. I, I'm okay with somebody saying, um, uh, a good example is like, I like Schecter's. So there's a perfect example, there's a Schecter. Uh, some people say like, I like Schecter's, but they just don't speak to me. They're just too, you know, plasticky or metal or whatever it is, or too much. I like more of a telly. And I'm like, oh, okay, I understand that. 
But if somebody says, I like Tellys because Schecters have no soul, I'm like, I, I don't really understand that. I mean, I'll, every guitar to me is different and has different things to offer and not offer. And sometimes, it's like I said, you don't connect with it. I think I've been hitting this subject too long, but you get the idea. That's the only thing that, uh, that's the only one that not, it doesn't bug me, but it like makes me sad when I hear it because I don't think people think it through. Okay, Mr. S. Mr. S says, uh, thank you for the super chat, by the way. Um, I always tip Tex a few bucks, sorry, if not appropriate. Okay, I want to make sure I'm saying it right. I always tip Tex a few bucks, if not appropriate. I give people drinks. Yeah, that's good. Cookies, etc. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, dad's from Bronx and tips everyone. Uh, dad is from Bronx and tips everyone as respect and people like it. I thought it was cringy as a kid, but noticed people like it. Um, yeah, I, I'm a tipper. So, you know, so I totally understand. And I'm a tipper of money and things. I like to tip liquor, by the way. That's the thing I will do. Um, to me, a great way to give somebody a tip is I buy them like a bottle of bourbon or something. <laughs> I'll do that a lot. Or I'll, I'll buy, um, you know, a gift. Like you said, a gift, maybe something like that. Um, a drink, uh, you know, something. Um, buy them lunch, you know, hey. Um, I'll even sometimes say that, like, you know, as a tip, if I'm giving somebody, like, if they're working and they're, like, for, for example, somebody's working in the in my yard or something and doing something and it's like midday, we might give them a tip, my wife and I, are, and they go, hey, uh, we just want to let you know, thank you, and here's some money, uh, you know, or not here's some money, but, you, you know, here's lunch. We'd like to buy lunch. Lunch is on us. That's what we kind of say. We always keep it casual. I always try to keep, I keep tip, tipping very casual, okay? It's always like, here's lunch, you know, lunch is on me today. I just want to say thank you. Or here's this bottle of bourbon have a ha, this weekend's on me this day you know i always want to try to keep it casual i've always felt odd about doing it like you said it's always kind of feels cringy giving people things gifts because it you know you don't want them to feel in you know in, inadequate or bad for it you want them to feel better but in my experience you're right everybody feels a little better that's what i said tipping tipping a tech i think is a great idea if you asked me you know should you tip should you tip a tech sure why not tip tip whoever you want for whatever reason you want should you have to? I don't think you should have to. So, uh, I would, like I said, I've never noticed any issues with not doing it. Uh, ones and zeros says, I don't have much to give, Phil, but this show is my religious Saturday morning. Here is, uh, here's, here in Oz. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it says, uh, Santa said, get a new pick of a pack of strings for Christmas. Thanks. I, dude, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. The um, It's funny. Uh, uh, one thing about the show that's interesting is the way the show goes out. You know, we do it this afternoon on Friday. And I, afterwards, the show, I timestamp everything. And then we see a big bump in numbers. And then it kind of tapers off at night. And then Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, about when I wake up and do coffee, the show takes off. You can see all the analytics and numbers just skyrocket for a few hours. And then it goes dormant all day Saturday until Saturday afternoon. It takes off again. And then it dies. And then it takes off again Sunday afternoon. It never does anything Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday morning. I'm sorry. It takes off Sunday morning. It never does anything Sunday afternoon. And then it takes off again Monday morning. So I actually get to see when you guys... I know when you guys are all watching this because I see the analytics. They they start just moving like this. They start spinning. Huh. I like this. Uh, thank you, Amanda, for grabbing this question. Uh, this one was, uh, Phil, the pole pieces on my Strat are rusting badly. Should I worry? Is the rust affecting the tone? Should I attempt to sand the rust away? That is uh, absolutely 
great question because I can see why you'd be concerned about that. Here's the good uh, news for you. Um, not only does it not is it not bad, uh, Fender will charge you more to do it. <laughs> They'll rust your pickups for you. I have uh, two Fender Strats that have rusted uh, pickups or uh, uh, poles. poles. Um, so no, you don't have to clean them if you want. You can if you want. I would, you know, I mean, if it bugs you, you can clean them for sure. Um, um, but no, it doesn't affect anything. It won't change them. Um, this is one of those things where, like I said, this is a techie channel and there's going to be techie people watching. And sometimes I have to anticipate the techie guys getting upset. Um, technically, does it does it have any effect? It It does. But it's so little. Would you hear it? No, I'm very confident you would never hear or notice anything. Uh, but yes, is somebody out there saying, well, technically, as the shape of the pole changes, the magnetic field changes ever so slightly. And I'm like, yes, these are all, those are true. But also, would any of you, if I told you to put $100 of your own money and throw a bet down and see if you can hear the difference, pick it out? The answer would be no. <laughs> None of you want to throw the money down because you wouldn't be able to do it. And um, I wouldn't do it either. And that's it. I think we did it. I know there's some more question stuff, but I think I caught most everything. We got all the subjects and it's a holiday weekend. So I really want you guys to get started on the holidays and doing your stuff. And, uh, and I want to thank you guys so much for your time. Like I said, just a reminder that I did another podcast. I did uh, tone mob. So you can check that out. I'm looking to see if there's any announcements I missed. And then also, uh, like I said, thank you guys every for everything you've done. The year's almost over, but we have some more videos coming for the end of the year. And of course, we have one more podcast to go for the end of the year. And uh, and like I said, check out Kiesel Connect if you want to. If you think you might be able to get there and meet, you know, and hang out and uh, to, you know enjoy the clinic and all the other stuff. And of course, I'll be walking around. My clinic's at two o'clock in the afternoon, so I would imagine that uh, you know I'll be. From about two to the close of the show, I'll be probably off. I won't say off limits, but I'll be off doing stuff, going to the clinic, but then run around. But before then, I'll probably be available, hang out, talk, whatevers. Uh, you know, we're making jokes about me handing out water. I'll, if they let me, I'll hand out water. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for your time. Until the next time. The Know Your Gear Podcast.